Hello, and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy. Here we discuss all things architecture and design, to travel, exploring Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, and I'll be connecting with other like-minded women to share their story. I'm your host, Katerina Burinova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. Welcome to the final episode of the Women in Architecture series. This week, I sit down with two inspiring women, Maria and Emily from the Open Plan podcast. We get to discuss each of our architecture exam journeys and the importance of our partners and support network around us. It was really nice to sit down and share our experiences of being the only woman on a job site and what it's like working in a male-dominated industry. So let's jump into the episode. Maria Emily from Open Plan Podcast, welcome to From the Honeycomb Podcast. I am so excited to have you guys on. You are concluding the Women's Architecture Month, where I've been talking with women all month long, and so I'm super excited to have you both on today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yes, thanks for having us. We're really excited. All right, so we begin every episode of the podcast sharing something we're grateful for in the present moment. So I guess, Maria, we'll start with you. Sure, yeah. So I'm originally from Brazil, and I haven't been able to be back home since 2019. So I'm grateful for actually having plans in October to go see my family in Brazil. So that's something that happened, and it's really bringing me a lot of joy. So I'm really grateful to have that chance finally. (laughs) Oh, that sounds so exciting. Yeah, long time coming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so mine would be getting recently licensed and just kind of feeling the glow of that after. And it's kind of funny because I'm in my parents' house recording right now. This is like where it all started, like this room I'm in, my dad's library or whatever office. And so it just brings back the memories and like the full circle moment that I started my first exam here back in 2020. And now it's finally done. And I just feel really grateful to have stuck with it and very excited and yeah, motivated. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I think I was thinking about it too this morning. What I'm grateful for is, and I'm starting to accumulate all of my study material for the California exam. And There's a sense of gratitude where I know I have like the funds and the like I'm kind of throwing everything I have on it. Like I'm doing coaching classes. I'm doing everything. And I'm really grateful that I have like the funds to continue to just throw money at these study materials, these coaching sessions, because there's so many times I've like read like on NCARB's forum, people have had to take out loans for these exams. And so, and I know you guys have similar experiences as far as how much money you have to put into the textbooks and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I don't have to worry about kind of funding this Mm-hmm. journey. <laughs> yeah, definitely takes a, a whole load off when you're able to just focus on that and like invest on your Mm -hmm. future like that without having to worry. Yeah, absolutely. It's so expensive though. And it's ridiculous. And I always try to find loopholes. People try to find loopholes with like what their firm could cover and, but otherwise it's, it can definitely add up for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, I am so excited to have you on. As I said, I've been listening to your guys' podcasts and 
I listened to recently Emily, you getting licensed, which was awesome to hear. But I'd like to hear, or I'd like for you to share with the listeners where you both are on your architecture journey. So I guess, Emily, we can start with you. Yeah, so we've already talked about it quite a bit, I guess, that I've gotten licensed. So that's my most immediate, I guess, milestone in my journey. That was a huge goal of mine. And I think I've been working towards it since like freshman year of college, which is crazy to think about. Like this is the moment. And Marie and I were talking about this and it's like, now you're licensed. Like now what? And it's kind of like you have this goal and all of a sudden you hit it and you're like, wow, I need to like figure out my next goal. So that's kind of like where I'm at now. And I'm just trying to, I think now that I know my exams are done with, I could figure out my other passions a little bit more. And I recently actually started teaching at Temple, so which is my undergrad alma mater. So I've been really enjoying that and maybe exploring going down the academia route. And I'm doing it part-time right now, adjunct, while holding a full-time job. And it's been like a fun balance. And I want to hopefully knock on wood if they have me back, <laughs> keep exploring it. And yeah, mentorship is something I'm very passionate about and talking about you know, the difficulty of becoming an architect and for the next generation, just making it a little bit more transparent. And that's a goal of our podcast too. So yeah, I would say on my journey, I'm looking for other avenues, I guess, to continue like mentoring and hopefully keep teaching. And it's fun working at a firm too, like that's there, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> raise the bells, I guess. No, but honestly, I, I do like where I'm working right now. So I'm not trying to leave yet. I really enjoy like my boss and the flexibility they're giving me to teach and work at the same time. So yeah. Wow, nice. And what about you, Maria? So I I don't know how much of my journey you've listened to on our podcast, <laughs> but I had a little bit of a detour during COVID times into marketing. So I'm a bit of a I'm at a split role right now where I'm maybe like 70 to 80% architecture and then the rest is marketing. So I'm like trying to push both fronts at the same time. And I've been really focusing on keeping that balance and exploring like where that could take me. I have not started my licensing journey yet. It is right there and I'm right here. <laughs> but um, I've started studying multiple times and I'm just like really trying to kind of simplify my life to the level where I could handle it just like mentally <laughs> and physically. But that is the goal for the next year is to focus on that, like make it a priority because otherwise it will not happen and life will get in the way and we know that. But that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> well, amazing. And then you guys met mm -hmm. in yeah. your master's program? And so, so share how you guys came up with the podcast. I love, I wish when I started studying, I knew I found your podcast. I recently found you guys and what you share is, is really so helpful and so insightful. So how did you guys come up with, with the podcast? Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of like a similar sentiment. We became friends during grad school and we used to live in around the same like area of the city and we interned at two different firms that were really close together in a different area of the city. So we would walk to our internships together in the summer. And we're both really into podcasts, like just listening to random, you know, other subjects and podcasts. And we always talked about how there was like not a lot of architecture podcasts or 
the ones that were out there were made by firms or, you know, really much older, you know, principals talking about design and stuff like that. And we wanted people talking about what we were going through at that time. So like college and finding jobs and getting licensed and exams and all that stuff. So we were like, oh, there's nothing out there. What if we just started a podcast? We're like, yeah, if we had time, like <laughs> in grad school, we're like we did not have time. But I think that was where the, like we planted the seed and we're just like, we just, because we started talking about that, I think throughout the following months, we're like, oh, like that would make a great episode. Like that would, this, we should talk about this. Yeah, like normal conversations. We were like, this should be a recorded episode because yeah. we were taking the lead green associate <laughs> exam and we were like, what we face study material wise, like what our strategies are. We were like, we should tell people about this. And we both ended up taking it like the same month and like the same time. And we were very like motivating for each other. And we were like, yeah, this would be a great podcast episode one day. And I feel like we literally just started during our internships, creating a Google Doc of like episode ideas. Yeah. And, like one day we'll do this. And yeah. the pandemic was a great time to do it. So yeah. we started it in 2020. Yeah. Almost two years ago or exactly two years ago, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I think our first episode wow. was like end of September. But yeah, during COVID, it was like we were working, but we were also had like a lot of downtime and just didn't really have anything going on on the weekend. So we'd go to each other's houses and just kind of like, have ideas and then eventually we started trying to record and it was a disaster and like eventually we got used to it but that's how it started wow no that's that's an awesome story I love that you from like your friendship and finding similarities started the podcast because it is so helpful there's so much information out there with the exams but finding the right information that's helpful is definitely a challenge yeah and like a lot of the I guess mission behind the podcast is just to be transparent and relatable and like we don't have all the answers but we have like what has worked for us and like we've consumed a lot of content that we've filtered through so we are hopefully putting out like the best advice that we can and like also having conversations like I love the back and forth that we've been having on Instagram now that we're like communicating more with our audience and like getting like meeting them where they're at and like what their concerns are and like trying to figure it out to then like translate it into episodes. Yeah, no, they're, they've been fun. I've been participating too in some of your, Emily, your detailed drawings oh when gosh. you were studying. That was really fun to like <laughs> check because <laughs> it, it, it's fun. It's, it's, you I have know. to, I mean, it gets so boring and just like once you've, and especially if you fail an exam and then You're you like, have to study again for it. Yeah. Trying to, st <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so, so boring. Yeah, it, it does get a lot. So you do make it fun, which yeah. is really, really like exciting. I was like, I don't know how people are going to receive this. Like, is this like too nerdy for Instagram? <laughs> like, let's do a detail quiz. <laughs> but I think it's fun to make studying more like interactive. And it also makes you feel less alone because you see how many people are answering it. And I wish I could just share like, yeah, so many people are answering it and so many people are studying. And it's like so isolating when you're studying sometimes. And it's just like, there's a community out there. And yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so then from kind of stepping back from the exams and into your your day-to-day -day architecture careers, what are some challenges or, or things you face? Because what I like to do is connect with other women in, in the industry because so oftentimes I'm the only female in a meeting. You've got contractors, subcontractors, everything, you know. So, um, And then also what kind of architecture do your firms do? 
Um, go first. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I've worked in during school. I interned at a very large firm where there was a good balance of like women and men and like a lot of minorities as well. But it was still kind of the hierarchy of like the people at the top were mostly like white dudes. <laughs> so as much as the firm like valued, yeah. you know, people from different backgrounds and I being international, they, I really felt welcome and, and everything. Still, it was in meetings, the dynamic, you'd still see that kind of old school setup. But I am happy because this year I started a, uh, at a new firm in January this year and it's completely pretty much just women. <laughs> it's really? Awesome. Oh yeah. my God, I it love was, it. It oh, was founded awesome. by uh, Leslie Ellsworth. We interviewed her for our podcast actually like before I started working there. But it's funny because she started it kind of because of the lack of flexibility and just unwelcoming of women and mothers in the architecture industry. So she was like, oh, I'll do this on my own and like just do this thing on the side. And then it, it eventually became a firm. Her husband went in with her to start helping out because she was so busy. And then she then hired women, <laughs> not because she wanted to, because those were the best candidates. So it's, yeah, it's all women and her and her husband. So it's, it's a very different environment than I've ever been in an architecture job. And it's, I'm learning a lot from like site visits with her or, you know, OAC meetings. And just even if I'm not there, she'll come back and like tell us something that happened and like how she reacted to it or how she handled it with, without burning bridges or whatever it was. <laughs> Cause you have to swallow a lot of pills and just a lot of disrespect in the on site and all that kind of stuff as a woman. But I think that I'm learning a lot of ways to handle it professionally, but without losing your, I guess, stance and your your respect. <laughs> no, absolutely. With site visits, I have a pink tape measure that I always have with me on site, and I always get a comment about it. And yet I'm sometimes the only person who brings a tape measure. And so then they all have to use my pink tape measure. And I'm like, you guys, like, I mean, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, I know one contractor was like, I'll go back in my truck and I'll get my own. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's freaking pink. Like people. It's a color. It has the same measurements. I cannot be holding this. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But. Yeah. And so Emily, what about you? Um, Yeah. So similarly, I've worked at um, a number of firms kind of ranging in size, like large to medium, not really small, but yes, leadership has always been men, particularly white men and something that, you know, they've always been, I never really had any issues within my firm kind of you know, we've had issues with the contractors talking certain ways. Like when I've come to a site visit with just women, like I've had comments where they're like, oh, it's just you guys or yeah, exactly. It's definitely (laughs) happened and it sounds like a parody, but it actually happens and it's crazy. But within my firm, you know, it's been fine. And, but I feel like up until recently, there's been kind of a disconnect with like a mentor that I could have, like someone I could really, I guess, relate to someone I want to like become one day or something so actually at my recent firm so I work at WSP which um, is a really large firm 
but our Philadelphia office is actually very small. So it doesn't really feel like I'm a part of a large firm all the time because I really only interact with like probably like 10 people. That's my group. And we do public work. So we do a lot of like train stations, airports. Recently, I'm doing a lot of like ADA kind of revamps for like multiple things like libraries and a lot of government contracted work and infrastructure work. So going back to the mentor thing, my boss now is actually a woman and she's been really, really awesome and someone that we have check-ins every couple weeks and someone I could tell that actually cares about my career development and has just been so, so supportive, like everything from the exams to now me teaching. Like she actually taught also um, at some point in her career and also worked. So she was like, oh, I've done that too. And like, this is what I like, you know, recommend. And so I really hope like, you know, I mean, it's happening right now, but I want to continue having her as a mentor, I think, moving forward. And it's something I really never noticed, but I'm like, it really does help to have a woman boss or a woman, it doesn't necessarily have to be your direct boss, but, you know, someone in your company that you regularly check in with that kind of motivates you and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, that is a thing for me as well. And it, it is coming across with the podcast and just how we interact with even the students. Like we, I mean... I'm still pretty connected to our University of Georgia Tech with the students that are still there. And we go back for like career fairs and other events. And it's like, we feel the lack of mentorship from women above us. So we're trying to do that for the ones that are coming after us. So I think that it's important to kind of like, I think we've done that a lot with the podcast and, and other things where it's like something didn't happen for us. So we're trying to do it for, for the next generation. Mm -hmm. No, I love that because what you guys are saying, I'm also, I am lacking a female mentor. I have had one female boss during my internships and it was really interesting to just see how she was working. And I also had a female colleague in that internship. So it's definitely a different dynamic than when you go to a different mm -hmm. office where it's just all, all men. So it definitely feels different. It's definitely mm -hmm. different. No, absolutely. And so I was wondering what your guys is, because you guys have been in the in the industry now for a little bit, what has surprised you the most after coming out of college? Because college, I feel like, and I don't know what your programs were, there's a little bit of fun, make-believe, you can really have fun with the projects, but then real life, building codes are issue, budget, all that. So what were some of the surprises you guys have found in the industry? Um, how expensive things are. <laughs> <laughs> I guess how important in general cost is to architecture and something that I think actually really surprised me my, when I first graduated, like the whole exercise of value engineering. I think the first time I heard that, I was like, what are they doing to our design? Like they're chopping it up and coming back with things that look like discount version of our design. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't like this. And, you know, they're like, well, we know we got to stay in within a budget. And I was like, architects really just have to do so much. Like they really have to control how it looks, but how much it, and how much it costs is like such an important factor in the real world that in design school, that of course never an issue. It's like, let's do anything crazy. And it's like, we don't have to worry about cost at all. But that was really shocking to me for sure. I think for me personally, it was like how much I didn't know that I should, or I don't know, you know, you never know how much you don't know. But oh, absolutely. It was yeah. kind of like, you know, I, I did pretty well in school and I was pretty confident. And then coming out of school, I was like, 
oh, never mind. I don't know anything. I need to stop pretending like I know everything. <laughs> so that was like a little shock. And then it puts you in a place where you're trying to like gauge what you actually can be confident in and like, you know, for sure that that's the way to do it versus like being open to learning and kind of absorbing that information and storing in your head, doing it over and over again to the point where it becomes automatic. But I think in general, just like how much has to go right for a project to come out the way that you intended to. I was not aware of like how much coordinating there is with all the consultants and all the other trades. That's not something that we learn in school at all, which we should. What the heck? Yeah, we should collaborate <laughs> with other majors. I think we've talked we about really it. should or like be remotely aware of MEP I don't know that would be nice mm -hmm. just like um, an electrical <laughs> engineer student place outlets mm -hmm. together it's literally yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that was a surprise and and it started in like my internships which is important to get some experience while you're in school so that you are aware of how much more there is to learn that you don't learn in school and how much you depend on other people because it's really like a team kind of effort. But I think that was just a surprise for me because I, I did work at a bigger firm first. So the projects were huge and it was very overwhelming to like, like no, not one single person like could understand the entire project. So it was overwhelming as an intern to be like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't think anyone else does. But, you know, it was just a lot. But now I'm, I'm working at a smaller firm, which does smaller projects, and I'm, I'm able to kind of comprehend the whole extent of it. And it feels more achievable to, at some point, become the person that has to oversee the whole thing. And it seemed more doable than in like a giant hospital project. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that is so true is just how much goes into it. Like I work for – we just do single family residences and mm -hmm. still the amount of coordination that takes place before you even break ground. Yeah, and, and so much can go wrong and you're trying to just like oversee everything that could go wrong. <laughs> it's stressful for sure. Yeah. And, and one thing I like that you touched on is that what you don't know and that's one of the reasons I love architecture is – there's so much to constantly be learning. You'll never know every asp. Like, you know, I know sometimes architects do get a bad rep for acting like they know everything in a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and some feel like they do. They feel like they do know everything, but it's just, we know a little bit about everything. And I feel like that's what also the exams cover is you kind of have to know a little bit about everything to be able to be like the, is it the composer? Is it the one? No. Who's the maestro? Who's <laughs> the guy who directs? The yeah, the director. Like uh, the maestro. Yeah, we are yeah. like the maestro, making yeah. sure everybody like yeah. does what they need to. So, yeah. no, that's no, that was a huge surprise, too, that you're responsible for all these people. And that was never talked about. It's like, oh, if the consultant makes a mistake, that's on you. It's like, yep. And I was, remember, I was just like, I don't get it. Why? <laughs> but and then you're the one who has to put the set together and you're the one who has to be the liaison. And it's interesting. Yeah. But fun. You know, architecture is fun that way, I think, because you get to learn so much and I feel like the exams also really revealed how much we don't know when you start oh, taking yeah. them it just opens the door of craziness but yeah <laughs> no absolutely and how did you both find architecture as far as like your your career that you wanted to pursue it um I so it was kind of a practical in between of like math and physics which were my stronger subjects in high school 
with like art and because I was a ballet dancer for like 14 years before and I was really into the arts and I was thinking about interior design and things like that but then I was really good at math and I loved math and more technical subjects so I, it was kind of a practical you know happy medium and I wasn't really sure about it at first but once I got through like the first year I was like yeah I could not do anything else um, so I, yeah, never grew up dreaming of being an architect, actually, which I think a lot of people have the story that they like grew up playing with Legos and I did play with Legos, but it wasn't like my favorite. I mean, <laughs> I would rather like, <laughs> I did love drawing. So I will say art was something that I always grew up loving and I was always drawing. And I also actually really liked writing, which is not related to architecture, but you know, I guess it kind of comes out in the podcast. I like communication and stuff. But I think when I was deciding a major, my dad was kind of like, what is a practical version of art? <laughs> Honestly, because he's like, I know that's your thing, but <laughs> I'm not, I don't know How about you being an art major. <laughs> I know. And of course I was not a lot of money, that. but yeah. some money. <laughs> exactly. And it just happened that his colleague's daughter went to Temple for architecture. And I had never even thought about that as a major. And I was like, yeah, I'm open to that. That sounds like really like a mix of a kind of like art and, you know, maybe that this technical aspect my dad wants me to do. And I visited the campus and seeing the architecture projects for the first time and the studio space, I was just floored. I was like, everyone gets a desk like this and everyone gets like a little pinup place. And it's such a community. And I think I went on like a really good day when it was like a packed studio and I also was temples in Philly so it's in the city and I've always loved cities too so all of it kind of just drew me in that day and yeah I'm glad I stuck with it it kind of reminded me how like going back to liking cities I've always really loved cities like even when I was little that was like my favorite family vacations and just uh feeling like very small and like a big environment <laughs> so yeah that's kind of how I landed there very kind of fumbled but still here so <laughs> oh good no I love both of your stories and I wanted to touch on your guys's like close support networks and correct me if I get this wrong but Emily you got married while you were studying your exams I know you've given shout outs to your now husband on mm -hmm. supporting you and then Maria is your boyfriend an architect yes okay good we're, oh I got it right yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, Good. he is, and he got licensed, I think he finished a year ago, last maybe? year, October, something? Yeah, I think it was last year. So he was like a couple years ahead of me in school, and when I was in grad school, he was already working and started his exam. So yeah, he is he's an architect. They are true <laughs> architecture awesome. love story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we did meet in school. <laughs> Aww, <I love it. laughs> Very cool. My husband's a contractor, so we oh. met at work. So that's oh, wow. we have a different kind of a, of a relationship, but I love that you guys are both architects. The reason I wanted to touch on that is because I know from my experience with the exams, the immediate support that you have, kind of the behind the scenes that your partner provides is huge. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to talk about your guys' experience because I give so much credit to my husband for helping me pass these exams. I don't think I would have been able, I wasn't able to do it without him because I started passing once he was in my life and he was supporting me emotionally and just, he's amazing when I'm like, okay, I can't do anything for like the next three months because I have to study. He's been so supportive. So I wanted to talk to you guys about your experiences with your partners. Yeah. Um, I think 
so I haven't officially started taking any exams, but I was that person for him when he was taking them. So it was a lot of like just patience and like just like unconditional support. You're like, whatever you need to do, I'm going to be over here. We're going to, I'm going to cook and clean and do whatever we need to do that you can't help me with right now. <laughs> and he really needed to kind of focus and we have different personalities. So like he was able to kind of study whenever we used to live in a studio. We just recently moved, but we used to live in the studio. So we was like the kitchen, the study space, the bed, the TV room, like it was all one place. So I don't think I could have done it, but he was able to just like study as I was working or watching a show or doing whatever around. But now that we moved and we have like a dedicated office space, that's going to be kind of my strategy would be like to lock myself in a room and just study because I can't do with a lot of distractions, but he's been very supporting. Like he can't wait for me to get started <laughs> and like everything, all of his notes and, and everything. He, he already gave me like all of the rundown for the first test. And it's so helpful to have like him and have Emily now like that have gone through it to kind of guide me, not only on the content, but even the emotional side of like, once I'm probably going to fail an exam, like how do you get over that and <laughs> um, continue and study this stuff again to take the same exam again? I feel like that's going to be really tough. But yeah, it's definitely, it's a helpful thing that he is going, or he just went through exactly what I'm going through. So, but for Emily, it's completely different because Ashkan's not an architect. <laughs> yeah, he's not. <laughs> Is he even in the industry or is no. he just... No, okay. So he's a software engineer. Oh. And well, so he also, his dad is like a contractor and he loves building with, and he loves doing like hands-on things. Like he has done woodworking in the past. So he does have an interest in architecture, I will say. And, you know, he's been involved with renovations with his dad. So he does have that interest, but industry-wise, he's never worked in architecture he did not know about the six exams. <laughs> he did not know <laughs> the men mental stress and stuff I would go through. And yeah, I will say it's really hard on them too. Cause you know, you're not available for weekends on end. You definitely go through moods <laughs> when you fail and you're not the most <laughs> pleasant person to be around, but no, through it all, he was so supportive. And I think it really helped to have that outer perspective of someone who's not in architecture, who could look at the test so objectively. He was kind of just mm -hmm. like, Whenever I would fail, he was like, you didn't fail. You could take it again. Like, it's okay. And I'm like, but you don't get it. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> and he was like, I know it sucks, but you'll, it'll be fine. Just take it again. You have five years. And, I'm, and he just sees it from such a, like, just logical. Almost. He's always, we're also very different. I'm very emotional and he's very logical. So whenever I kind of spiral, he always brings me back, like, in everything. He's like, it's okay. Like, let's look at it this way. And then I always feel better after talking to him about it. So yeah, whenever, you know, I would hit a wall with studying or fail a test, he was always there to just kind of be like, it's okay. Like, these are just tests. They don't define you as a person. Like, you know, you're just taking them on the side. And if you don't feel like studying, don't study today. He'll say that. And he was like, it's just not going to be productive. And like, there's no rush to this, basically. So mm -hmm. it's nice to have that person kind of cheering for you. And of course, he's always like the first person I called when I passed a test, like every time. And he'd always answer and he'd be like, I'd be nervous to pick up the phone. I'd be like, hello, <laughs> like, tell me. <laughs> and what I'd is it? Be like, 
like crying or I'd be like, I passed. And like, they celebrate with you and it's just so much fun. But yeah. Yeah. And I think no. we've like also had a lot of support from like Ashcon to us and Jose helping Emily too. Yeah. So yeah, they go really like fun. back and forth. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. I wish when we were in person, all four of us would hang out a lot too. So that was really fun. But yeah, it was nice. He was a breath of fresh air outside of architecture. <laughs> yeah. Just like he was having some phrases and then put everybody in its place. It's like, oh, right. You're right. Yeah. Our problems are not that big. We're not yeah. we're not that important. <laughs> oh, I love your guys' dynamic. That's awesome. No, I it'd be funny if they started their own podcast once Maria, you started studying. It's like the, I know. the partner support network. Yeah. So yeah, funny. I'm gonna Jose's gonna do this for me for like a year while I go take my <laughs> He's still in. He's like, Maria's not available right now. Uh, <laughs> like a guest host. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that since we're like talking in this setting, I think that relationships are important throughout your journey. And I think that people don't really talk about that. It's all, you know, aside from all of the knowledge and experience and career development stuff, I think that in school, especially in undergrad, I was very focused on like getting my work done. And I didn't really kind of just create a lot of relationships, like close relationships with people. And it happened in grad school with Emily and with some other people. And it's been really helpful just to have that kind of support of someone that understands what you're going through. I think a lot of people lose their friends in architecture school. Like from high school, it's hard to kind of maintain that, especially if they go different directions. So I don't know about you guys, but I have like two or three high school friends. <laughs> um, yep. That was it. So I think that that was something I realized like eventually is like, okay, work is important, but like, it's important to kind of create those relationships for your personal, you know, satisfaction, but also like your network, like you never know how you're going to cross paths. Like my actually Jose works at a big firm and he's working with like three people that I went to grad school with. So it's like a small, it's a very small industry, even if you're in a big city. So like cultivating relationships and, and taking that into adult life, because it's hard to make friends as an adult. Everybody talks about that. So I think that that's something that if you're still in school, it's something you shouldn't just look past. Yeah, I love that you said that, especially, you know, even if people who aren't in architecture, I think it's really important to be intentional with your friendships and really choose people who support you and aren't going to be upset if you can't make it to something for, you know, like you're studying or you have something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I think my friends that are not in architecture, I really like kind of willed them down to people who like know or understand and are super supportive. So I think in either architecture or non-architecture, I think relationships are super important. I like that you said that. My advice, I would say as corny as it is, (laughs) like, it just kind of like wraps it all up is that, you know, architecture is definitely not an industry for the faint-hearted, I think. And I know, like, we all say, like, oh, you know, hustle culture, we have to grind in architecture. And, you know, like, I want to tell people that it's okay to have architecture, but also, like, other things. 
and have it just be your job and you don't feel guilty about that and have it not be your defining personality trait. I think like when I first entered even school or industry, I had so many other interests and I felt weird talking about it because all people wanted to do was studio work and talk about like, you know, just random architecture they saw on the street. And I just, sure, I do that too. But, you know, I also have other hobbies that I want to talk yeah, about. You don't live and breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who feels like, you know, a little bit lost in architecture and kind of falling into this rabbit hole, it's okay to, you know, treat it the same as your other hobbies, I think. And also just like not to give up on it. You know, it's a growing process for sure to like get through the exams and your hours and just, you know, I think everyone should be on their own timeline and there shouldn't yeah. be a pressure to, you know, meet a certain deadline and don't compare mm-hmm. yourself. I think I said like nine tips in one. But yeah, <laughs> no, you were saying, I think we talked about this on the like licensing timeline, like you are take ownership of your timeline. And mm-hmm. it's, it's your timeline. It's whatever works for your life. And I think in the same way, like your career, like whatever relationship you want to have with architecture, yeah. <laughs> it's up to you. You can live and breathe and only talk about it your whole life. If you want to do that, that's cool but you don't have to. And that's, that doesn't make you less of a designer or less of an architect, because I know that there's like a stereotype, like the ultimate, you know, architecture personality is like, they have that Instagram with this, just, just like photos of textures and like buildings. It's just our portfolio. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Maria and I have talked about that. We're like, should we change our Instagrams to not have so many pictures of us? Like it's just pictures of us. (laughs) Our faces. Like, and her friends and stuff. I still post selfies. It's fine. Yeah, same. I'm still the same person I was, you know, yeah. before I started architecture. Yeah. It's not like we're not classic architects for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maria and Emily, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I feel there's like this camaraderie. I, you guys, like everything you've said, I'm just like, that's exactly what I think of, of this topic. And so you guys have been so fun to have on. So thank you. And where can listeners find you? We're Open Plan Podcast on everywhere, like listening, podcast listening device, Spotify, Apple, all the all the things. We're on Instagram at Open Plan Podcast. And you can talk to us there. And we also have our email. It's hello at Open Plan Podcast. If you have episode ideas or if you have anything you want to talk to us about. Yeah. Was that it? Yeah, I think that. Mm-hmm. No, I guess we have a website, openplanpodcast.com. If you want to listen directly on a website, I don't know. <laughs> that's your perfect that's your thing. <laughs> I'll provide a link in the show notes for all of your guys' links. So thank you again for coming on. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. This is so fun. Yeah, we loved awesome. ha- we loved coming on. And we're going to have to have you on our podcast. I was just thinking. Oh, absolutely. Sure. I've never <laughs> been on a podcast. So I'm so excited to be <laughs> on one. <laughs> awesome. All right. Wow, I love this conversation. It felt like sitting down with some girlfriends over a cup of coffee and just talking all things architecture. I especially resonated with not having to live and breathe architecture because we are so much more than our profession. Emily, Maria, thank you again for coming on from The Honeycomb. I truly enjoyed our conversation. And this episode concludes the Woman in Architecture series. I want to thank you all so much for your support and for tuning in to each episode. This was such a fun collaboration for me to put together, and I feel like I've made some long-lasting connections with the woman in this series. I want to give a huge thank you again to Joanne Liu, Tokateo, Catherine Peppard, Maria Pastorelli, and Emily Zand. 
Thank you all for coming on from the Honeycomb Podcast and participating in the Women in Architecture series. And if you like this episode, please give it a heart or thumbs up and click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram at from the Honeycomb Podcast. Thank you so much and see you next week. Thank you.